We are back, and let me tell you what a week it has been. There was no new episode last week, and I apologize for that, but I had an attitude that Sunday I was trying to record, and that next Monday I had to get out of my apartment for an entire week so they could replace my entire ceiling and the pipes. I would not be the responsible human being that I am if I attempted to record a podcast for you with an attitude. It would not have gone over that well. So you can thank me for taking that week off while I was technically homeless and displaced, living um, all over the place, uh, being disrupted, a little bit backwards. I am back home now in my office, settled and ready to go. So as most of you know, I am Amy Fiedler, host of the Connect the Dots Bitch podcast. I am a certified holistic life coach and Reiki master practitioner. So let's get into it. Here on the podcast is where we divulge into my life and, uh, Learn some shit from it. You know, it's so easy to like live life and have shit happen and get stuck in the shit. Like we all do it, right? Like I had to get out of my apartment because as a lot of you who follow me on Instagram have come to find out, there's constant leaks in my ceiling. So they were repetitively having to come in, cut holes in my ceiling, repair the leak, and then patch the hole. And I had patches all over my ceiling to the point where um, during quarantine, there were just cardboard squares like decorating my ceiling. This is how bad it was. Like it was bad, okay? So they got it approved to redo everything. And they told me it would take like, two to three days, and my exact response to this was, I don't really believe you. And the management company was like, oh, no, we've done it many times. It'll be fine. And I go, well, aren't I going to be displaced? No, you can stay here. It's totally okay. They're just going to cover your furniture with plastic. You can come home at night and sleep here. And I didn't buy any of this. But they swore up and down this is how it was going to go. It could be smooth and easy sailing, right? Not exactly what happened. So the contractor shows up Monday morning, a little after 8 a.m. I'm already ready to go, just kind of hanging around, waiting for them to get here so I know they're actually going to start the work, right? He comes in and he's talking to me like I don't know what he's going to do. And as he starts to describe the job to me, he says, it's going to take me three to four days and we're just going to cut these two foot sections in your ceiling, go up, fix the pipes, and then patch it. And I look at him and I go, no, you're not. That is not the job that I agreed to. I agreed to the entire um, ceiling being replaced, including all of my pipes and the pipes for the upstairs unit. 
Um, and I was told it would only take two to three days, not three to four days. And he looked at me confused. I said, could you please call the office? We need to get this cleared up. Cut to, he calls the office. I can hear the woman on the phone, the woman, the property manager, that I agreed to this work with, right? They're arguing back and forth. Sergio told me this. No, Sergio told me that. Well, Sergio said this. Well, I agreed to this with Sergio. Boom, boom, boom. But while this is happening, I'm not stupid. I go in my bathroom and now I'm like, whereas I only had about a couple of outfit changes just in a bag because I just tend to do that and keep it in my car. I started to grab all my face wash and my razor and my toothbrush, just instinctually putting it in a bag. And then they hang up the phone and I look at him and I said, listen, is it going to make your job easier if I don't come back at night? And he looked at me really uncomfortably, probably because I was putting him in quite a precarious position because he doesn't really answer to me. He answers to management. I said, listen, I'm trying to work with you here. Is this going to help you if I don't return? And he nodded his head yes. And I go, okay, I won't come home at night. You'll get it done in about three days? And he goes, yeah. And I go, okay, do me a favor. I put Post-its on like two furniture items that are labeled fragile. Could you please just be careful? And he looks me dead in the eye and goes, oh, no, I just cover it in plastic. We don't even move it. Okay, deal. I think we're working together, okay? That's not what then ended up happening. This is where this entire thing became a shit show. I left around Wednesday. I email management. She says it's done. You can return home. I return home at 7 p.m. I walk into a full-on construction site. My entire apartment, all of my belongings covered in plastic, like white dust all over the place from the ceiling, um, holes in the ceiling. Like this was not a job that was even close to being finished. I just dropped to the ground and started crying because not only was I told it was done in writing and I returned, but I walked into my bedroom to find that my bed was just tossed up against the wall standing on two legs. Like nobody slid it and just covered it in plastic. They like flung it up against the wall and anything that was on it definitely would have just like been coming off. The wood wood bed frame looked like it was gonna snap. I just was... Lost my shit. Lost my shit. Went in my bedroom closet that they told me nobody would enter into. I had put all of my breakables and my artwork in there in advance because I knew nobody was going to go in there. Well, they had to empty my laundry room. They threw it in trash bags. And then they took those dirty trash bags and they threw them in my bedroom closet, knocking over all of my breakables that were then pressed into my large canvas paintings, denting, scratching, destroying everything. I cannot tell you. I I felt so violated and disrespected. Like, you don't even think, you know, it's already uncomfortable to have strangers working in your home, in your space. But then the fact that they're touching your stuff 
And then on top of that, they're in areas of your space that was told to you they wouldn't access. I, it was, it was a difficult week, y'all. It was challenging. And I pulled myself off that ground, sucked up my tears and was like, now we be proactive. Like we are not going to sit here and cry about this and play victim. It is what it is. Let's get it together. We're going to send an email. It's after hours right now. We're going to speak firmly and directly and, um, you know, address our concerns and our demands. And that's it. Then we're going to leave and we're going to see where this goes from here. And here's the thing. It's so easy for us to play victim, right? Like all of us, all of us have shit going on. Nobody is perfect. I don't care how they're presented online or in person or on TV. Every single human being on this planet has shit. I have shit. You have shit. Everybody has shit, right? How you handle that shit, I know you've heard this before, but I'm going to emphasize it. How you handle that shit, that's really going to either make or break your life. So you can sit on the ground and continue to cry and, oh, woe is me, right, through any situation in your life, or you can let the tears out and feel the feels and then get it together and go, I am in charge of me. I have to advocate for me. I'm responsible for what happens to me in this life. And this is not a fuck up. This is not um, me backpedaling or moving backwards in my life. I didn't do anything wrong. There's growth here. If you can start to reframe every fucked up experience you encounter as there's growth here, your life is going to change dramatically. The problem most people have is they're trying to avoid the fucked up shit. They're trying, they're aiming for perfection. And that's not realistic. Like I used to get scared, especially in this profession, when I first started and shit started sharing things like online and, and things like that. I used to get scared to share what was real in my life because a lot of people have this false perception that you need to be perfect. And that's not realistic. Like, I could present myself as perfect, but that's not going to be authentic, right? Or I could just be really transparent and honest, and I can demonstrate through the embodiment of how I live it, breathe it, think it, feel it, speak it, how I move through it. That's going to teach you a lot more than me trying to paint the perfect picture of my life. That's one thing I'm really incredibly proud of about myself is that I've been through some shit and I always look at it as how can I grow from this? I have never once played victim in my life and I'll say that I have like an understanding of why people do it. I, I, I help people who do it, but I lack a little bit of empathy there. Real talk, I do, because I just don't entertain it in my own life. It's not an option for me to play victim because 
my experiences have told me one thing from day one, and that's that nobody's going to do it for you. You've got to do it for you. Like I can go to every therapist, every life coach, every friend, every family member that I want when I am emotionally distraught or struggling with something in my life. And I can ask them for support. I can confide in them. And they may or may not have good advice for me or may or may not know how to support me. Let's pretend they all know how to. At the end of the day, it's not going to matter how good the shit is that they give me to help myself. I've got to be the one that chooses to help myself. And if I'm not helping myself, then guess what? I'm stuck. There's lessons in everything. And so I took this whole, you know, we'll call it a renovation (laughs) of sorts to my apartment. I took this renovation as um, a period of growth. I took being displaced as, um, you know, an opportunity for growth. I look at everything that happens in my life, every conversation, every person I meet, every emotional reaction that I have, anything as growth. And it's that mindset that keeps me moving forward. It's that mindset that keeps me from dropping into a deep depression um, or feeling powerless in situations that on the surface can ultimately look like I'm, I have no power. You know, I have minimal power over what management chooses to do or tell me. Just like we have minimal power over how other people treat us in life, right? And I say minimal because you have the ability to set boundaries, communicate, and not be around them. Like you can control what you accept and you allow, but you can't control what they choose to do, think, feel, or say. So yeah, we have minimal power when when it comes to other people and things outside of us. So in this situation, yeah, it's, you know, it's disheartening to feel like your home and, and, and my home is not just my home. My home, like let's look at the full context of this picture so you fully grasp the emotional reaction here. This is not just my home. This is also where I work like permanently, not just during a pandemic. Like I've always worked from home. So this is my home and my office. On top of that, my dog passed away months ago and I had not yet addressed a lot of his stuff, like his dog beds and his toys and things that were still out and essentially preserved, if you will, because I just haven't addressed it. I wasn't ready to. I was in and out. I I didn't want to face it yet. I didn't want to have to. And this, again, offered me an opportunity for growth. It offered me the opportunity. It kind of just nudged, forced. We'll say forced. It shoved me off the fucking cliff, y'all. It shoved me off the cliff. I had to address, what do I do with Dewey's like five dog beds? What do I do with them? They're all over my home. I, I don't have a dog. I don't plan to get another dog. I can't just keep these here. I look crazy past a certain point in time having dog beds all over the place and no dog, right? What do I do with it? Like I had to address those things. So instead of finding it annoying 
that I had to go clean up everything and put shit away. And I looked at it like opportunity. And when you do that, it's like instant relief. Absolutely nothing is by accident. And the other thing that I always look at is the symbolism of everything. Like the apartment, quote unquote, you can't see my air quotes right now, renovation was at a period of time that I was emotionally and mentally working through some significant things in my personal life. On top of that, it, you know, the whole forcing me um, to address my dead dog stuff, that all came at the same time as well, right? So it was like a complete clearing out and a fresh start of sorts. After the whole fiasco on Wednesday and I was back in touch with management the next day when they got my email, um, what was supposed to be max like four days turned into um, you're out until next Monday. We're going to have them redo the whole job. So I was out longer, but I came home to like what looks like a brand new apartment. Like I have a completely brand new ceiling and on top of a brand new ceiling and paint job on the ceiling, they repainted the entire apartment. So all of the walls are repainted, all of the doors have been painted, all of the molding is painted. And then to top it off, when I came home and was starting to put my stuff back and getting frustrated because there was damaged stuff, which I'm not even going to get into that because it doesn't make a difference. Damages. Um, I couldn't find my surfboard. That was funny. I like walk in. This is seven foot board, y'all. This is like, and it's like bright pink. So I'm looking and it was, it, it sits in the corner of my bedroom and I'm walking in and I'm checking everything. It's not like I, like my apartment is very clean. Minimal stuff is out, right? So I know exactly what I have. It's not like, you know, I'm going to overlook something. I know exactly what every, because everything I have ha- holds a specific meaning or purpose. I cannot find this surfboard to save my life. It's a seven fucking foot surfboard. A little hard to lose. I am looking under furniture. I am looking in closets. I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt over and over and over and over again. And then finally, I'm like, oh my God. I call the office and I go, um, you know, this is Amy Fiedler and unit, blah, 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 blah. They obviously know who I am by now. Unless I'm delusional, somebody stole my surfboard. And the woman on the phone goes, stole your surfboard? I said, yeah, ma'am. Um, it was in my bedroom when I left last Monday and it is not here now. She goes, did you look in the outside closet? Now, Let's just pause this story for a second. The outside closet is a water heater closet that remains locked that we were told we cannot access. We cannot put anything in. I've never had access to this closet. This woman says, did you check the outside closet? I go, the closet I'm not allowed into that's usually locked? Yeah, check the closet. I go, okay. I go outside. 
It happens to be unlocked. Guess what I find in the fucking closet wedged in between a water heater and pipes? My seven foot surfboard that barely, I don't know how they got it in this closet. They had to send maintenance over to help me remove it. When maintenance came and I was just kind of flying off the handle at this point about this whole experience, they bring back the contractor who fucked the shit up to begin with to face me. Now, thank you baby Jesus that I am as balanced and sane as I am because when they brought that man to face me, I could have gone off. I had every reason in the world to go off. He damaged my belongings. He threw my furniture outside on the sidewalk while he worked. He flipped my bed upside down. He did the wrong job. Like there were so many things I could have gone off about, but I didn't. They took him around my entire apartment because he they they brought him back to help me put it back together. And I just looked at them like they were fucking nuts. I said, I did it myself. So they go, well, do you need any other repairs made? I said, um, there's some scratches on the wall over there if he can touch that up. So they took him inch for inch around my entire apartment and had him fix any flaw in the paint on the walls, any flaw through the entire apartment, okay? So not only did I get a brand new apartment, but then they came back and really like perfected it. It just was like the symbolism of all of this. I mean, we could say karma, if you will, that like you fucked my shit up and then they brought you back to face me And I was nothing but kind and respectful to you in spite of what you did to me and my home and my belongings. And, you know, I left you alone to do the job that they were telling you to do. I didn't take advantage of it. Nothing like that. Because I try to stay true to my character. But can we just see how things really can shift in your favor if you choose to look at them that way? Now, there's a bigger lesson in all of this, however, and that's that you really have to listen to yourself the first time. I, I, I know firsthand how hard it is to do this because I have a tendency to give the benefit of the doubt one too many times to other people. I have a tendency to make a lot of excuses. We all do. But the bigger lesson in in not just this story, but like any story where you're experiencing something that you don't like or something you feel like has just like suddenly come up or caught you off guard, is that it was probably something that has been on your mind for quite some time. That now when it's like hard, heavy, and in your face, you're pissed off about it. But the reality of it is you resisted taking action on it long enough to where like universe, God, whatever word you resonate most with, I usually use God, had to kind of make it happen for you. When we avoid the shit that 
that is in our face that we know we have to take action on, we know we have to make a change on, when we avoid it, it blows up in our face. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean like it feels really contrasting. It feels like it catches us off guard. It's like that sudden out of the blue breakup where you're like, what? But really when you step back and you think about it, you've been wanting to do it the whole time. Or it's like, you know, the sudden onset of, hey, we'd like to start fixing your entire ceiling in like a matter of two days and you're going to have to leave. Well, I've been wanting like this job to be done for the last year or two. And I had just made a decision like a week ago, like I've had enough, I'm moving out. I just committed to that in my head, didn't really take any actions towards it, have been really resisting having to move. And then suddenly, the minute I did that, they were like, oh, we're going to fix everything. And I was like, oh, good, I don't have to move now, right? Well, then this entire process, although, yes, there were opportunities for growth, if I look at it honestly, this is not a place that I would like to stay. Management doesn't run this place very well, you know? I wasn't treated fairly, in my opinion, in many little detailed ways that I have not disclosed on this podcast. The point being, you have to listen to yourself and hear yourself. Those are two separate skill sets, and we don't often realize that. Those are two different skill sets, listening and hearing, because you can listen to somebody, but did you really hear them? You can listen to yourself, but did you really hear you? Or did you just listen and make excuses instead of hearing you? Your excuses are only your commitment to staying put. You hear me? Your excuses are your commitment to staying put. So you contradict yourself when you say, I want this, but, and then insert an excuse that's going to keep you from having what you just said you wanted. Excuses are your avoidance. Excuses are your way of resisting what you keep saying you're wanting. So what's going to happen emotionally for you in doing that is you're going to feel stuck. You're also going to feel tormented. And let me tell you, I have felt many emotions in my life just like the rest of you. And I I have I have been depressed. I have been suicidal. I have been severely anxious. Anxious to the point where when I was younger, I didn't even want to leave my home. Like I was so anxious. And then I developed OCD like tendencies in order to make myself feel more in control just so I could leave the house. Like I have felt so many different things that I will tell you though, one of the worst, probably top five things to feel is tormented in your own mind. Now, torment is a lack of commitment, right? So when you are back and forth, right? You say you want something, but then, you know, you're making excuses for where you're at and why it's this way. But you keep saying you're wanting this, you want it improved, you want better, but then you're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You have not committed to one way or another, You're saying you want one thing, but you're also entertaining the other. Commitment means you stop entertaining one or the other. 
Which one is it going to be? Is it going to be the one you keep saying you're wanting or is, is it going to be the other one? Which one do you want more? Which one are you more committed to? And the key here is to go to the emotional component of what you're wanting, right? Because if you just look at the outside things or the person or the behavior, that's going to convolute it in your mind. But if you go to the emotional component, where would I go emotionally if I got what I keep saying I'm wanting? What would it make me feel? I'm, I'm not talking there for a reason. I need you to think for a second. What would it make me feel if I got what I wanted? How would I feel? Then go back to where you're standing right now. How do I feel right now? Does this feel good? Do I like this cycle? Does it make me feel good about myself? Or am I complaining? Am I saying I don't deserve this? Am I saying I don't want this? Am I saying this isn't fair? Am I hearing myself? Or am I hearing myself? Or do I, am I just listening and not really hearing? Because if I'm really hearing me and I'm saying I don't deserve this, then you wouldn't stay there to begin with. Life just has a really funny way of putting us in the exact position at, the, at exactly the right time. And you have limited vision in those moments. So you're not going to feel like it's the right situation at exactly the right time. I'll tell you what, it did not exactly feel like it was convenient to be uprooted for a week. But I have learned through enough experiences in my life to just roll with things. Like I can have moments of resistance. I can cry. I can... I can say this isn't fair, and I do at times. But my bounce back game, it's on point, guys. I always pull myself right back out of that and go, okay, well, moving on. Now we find a way through this. Now we find a way to adjust our thinking in spite of this. Because that's just how life goes. It's all helping us. And, and, So much of our emotional dysfunction, and I use that word loosely here, but it was the first one that came to mind, comes from the fact that we do lack awareness and we do have limited vision and we, a lot of people, a lot of people lack the emotional intelligence. That's something that that grows, that you have to actively build and, and learn about, right? But when you lack it, and you don't have the tools to reframe in these moments, then life can feel really hard and heavy and devastating. And you can really get trapped in these situations and in the context of them, you know? I've been in abusive situations in various forms. I've been in traumatic situations. I've been in a lot of situations that if I sat down with you for, I don't know, several days and just told you everything that I've ever been through, you'd probably look at me and go, I don't know how you function in life still smiling. And I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. And maybe a lot of you hear those same things said to you, like you're the strongest person I know, is something I always hear people say to me. The only way I got there is by taking everything as it comes and using it to my advantage, no matter how heavy it feels, 